Well, last week I gave a shear, which I consider a very important shear, about uh, the introduction that the Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato says in the uh, introduction to the Sefer, Derech Hashem. And what I try to bring out last week <clears throat> is it's not just is that the Hagdoma, the introduction, seems to be a essay on the the uh, on what's called critical thinking or logical thinking, the skills used to try to uh, interpret, uh, understand information. And essentially, what I said last week, although I'm not going to dwell on it because uh, that was last week's share, is that the Ramchal is not giving you a lesson in logical thinking. This is not a course or a, a lesson in critical thinking skills. I explained <clears throat> that the essential concept of the darkness or the hester of this bria, this creation, is what is called, uh, well, separation as we will see when we talk about who God is, you see. And I explained that there are two times. The first time when the Jews received the Torah, the Matan Torah, they were able to see the totality of all information, all the halachot, everything, organized. Everything was connected. And that is the Torah in its surah, in the form of teferis, beauty. And I explained last week what beauty is. The problem I mentioned was that because of the Chet Egel, okay, then the view of Torah as a beautiful structure where everything, all the dots are connected, right, was in many ways absorbed or taken over by the Satan and his entourage, the Klippah. And because of that, the Torah became a complete disorganized block of information. You see. <clears throat> and therefore, um, the job of the Jew, in many ways, is to take the Torah out of the Klippah, which means out of the satanic hold that the Satan has. You see. <clears throat> because in a certain sense, you have to understand, which I explained to a certain extent last week, that the Messianic light, which is Torah in a completely revealed way, you don't have to labor to understand it. The Messianic light is a view of the Torah which is completely organized. It is seen down to its ultimate depth Right. Not only that, there is no labor, no effort involved in understanding, which is interesting, you see. <clears throat> and not only that, <clears throat> like I said, it's organized, but the speed of learning is tremendous, very fast. <clears throat> in other words, <clears throat> there's no effort that is needed to learn the messianic light. It just comes to you. In a certain sense, it's Ruach HaKodesh, where all of a sudden the information appears to you. And the reason why is because there's no clipper. you see. A clipper, or that the fact that the Torah's energy or, uh, or spiritual energy is in the hand of the Satan, means that you don't really understand the information, you know, and uh, you labor to understand it tremendous amount of effort, you see, and it certainly doesn't go fast, and it's fragmented, tremendously fragmented. Uh, that is why the Torah that we have today is very difficult. It requires years of intensive effort to figure out what's going on. Now, there's a great deal to speak about that, but all of this is the result of what's called the Klippa. In fact, the Ari says that one of the manifestations of a clipper on the Torah, which you are trying to understand, right, is when you have a question. A question means that there's a blockage 
of some truth of the Torah that you are not getting. And what is blocking you from getting that knowledge is the klipa, is the satanic shell that surrounds the Torah. You see? So the, the, the direct repercussions of a satanic enveloping the Torah, the awe of the Torah, the hasoga, the enlightenment or the knowledge of the Torah is a clipper. So when you realize that and say, wait a minute, you mean as long as the clipper surrounds the Torah, right, then it's very difficult to access and learn the Torah. So then the major, and, and you're saying, which I'm saying, is that if that clipper was removed, right, then you would be able to learn the Torah with tremendous insight, speed, clarity, depth, and comprehensiveness. It would be amazing. So what I'm saying is that what prevents that is the clipper. So if that's the case, you would correctly say, Therefore, that the job of the Jew isn't so much to learn Torah, it is to take Torah out of the Klippa. You see? Because what creates this difficulty is the Klippa, not the information itself. You see? Because when you think about it, the neshama of a Jew is connected to the Torah. You see? <clears throat> and what that means is that his neshama is connected he knows the Torah, you see, because the neshama of a Jew is the flip side of a coin, the other side being the Torah, in a mystical way. So if that's the case, then you should automatically have access to that knowledge of information. So what stops you from knowing the Torah at an intuitive level? And the answer is the klipa or the zoyama. That's what does it. So you would correctly say, right, that if that's the case, so obviously the task of a Jew isn't to learn Torah. What it is, is to take it out of the klipa. And if that happens, guess what? Automatically, you will know the Torah without any effort. It's amazing. So the question you have to ask yourself is, if that's the case, how do I take the learning the Torah out of the Klippa? Because if I can do that, then I would immediately be able to access the Torah without any effort. And the answer to that is very interesting. And therefore, learning Torah is different than all other chokhmas, disciplines, knowledges. Why? <clears throat> because all knowledge, right, uh, you know, you learn the ideas and you put effort and you know it. But the main problem with Torah is that it is in the Klippa. That's why it's difficult. Because if it was not in the Klippa, you would be able to understand the Torah immediately without any effort at all. In fact, that's what's going to be in the Messianic era. You know, it'll be incredibly simple to understand no matter what the depth. So then the question is, how do I get rid of the klipa that surrounds the Torah? And the answer is, yegiyah, effort. Amelus, effort. That's how you do it. And that is why you find many references to this in the Chazal. Because it says, for instance, at the end of a Masechta, <clears throat> they work, right? They uh, expend efforts, they meaning goyim, and their chokhmah, and we expend effort. They expend effort, right? And they are not mechkaboscha. They don't get reward for the effort. Either they know it or they don't. But we, we get reward for the effort itself, even without understanding. And the question is why? And the answer is, because when we expend effort in learning Torah, what that does, primarily, is it allows the Torah to enter our mind because it breaks the klippah, you see? 
Mesiris Nefesh, or effort to learn Torah, what's called Yegiyah, is what breaks the Klippah that surrounds the Torah, the satanic force that surrounds the Torah. So when we learn, and we apply tremendous self-sacrifice and effort, that actually breaks the Klippah. And therefore, when that happens, we actually understand the Torah. So that's what it means, that we apply effort and we are rewarded, you see? Because the effort breaks the klipa and we're able to understand, you see? And that's also why it says, for instance, yogatu matsoso, that if you labor to understand matsoso, you will find it. And the idea to that is, when he says you will find it, you know, finding is different than you know, where you act actively search, you find as if you're walking the street and all of a sudden you chance upon an object, a metzia, a lost object. <clears throat> Same idea. To chance upon the lost object of Torah, which means the, all the ideas of Torah, all you have to do is expend effort. That's how it comes to you, you see. So the Torah doesn't come to you because of your effort. It comes to you because your effort breaks the clipper, and automatically it appears automatically to your mind. You see? It's a different process than what happens, let's say, by uh, the secular information, where you have to labor to understand the idea. In Torah, the labor breaks the clipper, and therefore the Torah reveals itself to your mind spontaneously. There's a tremendous difference, you see. And the reason for that is because the Torah and the Neshama of Christ's world is called Chad Hu. It's one. And that's what <clears throat> happens, you see. Also, we understand something else. <clears throat> if you ever wonder about this, we, we are familiar with the fact that there's a Chazal that says that an infant, an infant in, while it's an embryo in the womb, right, it is taught the entire Torah by a malach. And then what's about to emerge, the malach touches under its nose, right, and it forgets all its Torah. So the question is, you know, why is it taught all the Torah, and why does it have to be taught the entire Torah, you know? And the idea is because the totality of Torah is needed by the infant to understand what its task is. Because its task is connected, its neshama, to a specific area of Torah that it has to release from the klipa. You see? So that's really why it's learning. The malach shows it what will be its task in this world, you see, to release what aspect of the Torah from the Klippa? So then the question is, well, why not teach it just that aspect? Why have to teach it all Torah? And the answer is because the totality of what you have to do is connected to the totality of the entire picture. It's like looking at a puzzle, you see. If you want to understand a piece of it, you need to see the whole picture. And then within the context of the picture, you can understand the part that applies to you. You see? Same idea. When the Malach wants to teach you your connection to the Torah, which, by the way, is really your con the connection of your neshama to the Torah, because we are connected to the Torah. In many ways, the same divine light. So therefore... In order for you to understand your chelek, your part, it teaches you the totality of the Torah itself, because then you understand your part. You see? And that's a very important concept, that to understand any one portion of the puzzle of Torah, you need to really understand ultimately all of it. And then you can understand what your part is in context to everything. But the main idea is that your chelek. You see, every Jew has a chilek, tikkun, where he has to in some way remove the klipa on the Torah itself. You see? So that's really 
what is going on. So the whole concept of learning Torah, you see, is part and parcel of the tikkun of the entire creation. To take the Torah out of the klipa, which will automatically mean that he will take the Torah, or rather the neshama, out of the golas, Because they will both leave simultaneous. You see, the Torah leaves the klipa, the golas. You leave the klipa, the golas. The Shekhinah leaves the klipa. The divine, uh, the divine presence itself leaves the klipa. Because in a certain sense, they are all what's called an identicality. They are all identical to each other, you see. So when the ghoul happens, ultimately, every aspect of you means you, the Torah that is connected to you, right? The divine presence of which you are a part of, right? That's three. And the Meshichan, Meshich ben Yosef, Meshich ben David, and all the Jewish people, call Yisrael. Everybody will leave the Klippa, basically, at the same time. You see, the question is, even if they leave the Klippa, will they be revealed? So the revelation itself comes in stages. Therefore, the liberation is a simultaneous for everybody. Once the Pekita happens, then everybody leaves the Klippa. But the question is, when is it manifest? When is it revealed? And that stages, you see. So basically all of this is to, re, re, is to remove the Torah, right? Klai Yisrael, the Divine Presence, the Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, right? All of it is to leave it out of the Klippa. You see, to remove it from it being entrapped in the Divine Presence itself. And that's really what we're trying to do. You see? And <clears throat> this is all hinted at in the Hagdoma, the introduction to Terah Hashem. Therefore, learning Torah in a systematic way is, in many ways, the Messianic approach. That's what, it, that's what it is. And therefore the Ramchal starts his introduction to the whole Sefer talking about what's called the Teferis approach, the approach of totality, of structure, because that is the Messianic approach. And therefore it's a very important concept, you see, because it tells us what we need to do and how we are to learn. And therefore the Ramchal is now going to bring down the entire blueprint of creation in this particular Sefer called Derech Hashem. You see. And he is going to begin from the beginning. So, when you talk about the beginning, what is the first idea that you begin to talk about? Well, the first idea is who is God? That's what you begin to talk about, you see. And there are many reasons for that. Because even though we may not understand God, who he is, in terms of his true essence, however, there are many things that we can understand about his character, about his nature, and also in terms of what he created. Because in many ways, the creation itself is a reflection on the character of God. And that's what we really have to understand. The whole concept of the nature of God, the essential ideas of God, and therefore how we are to understand Him, you see. And that's therefore He begins to say for with a whole section about the nature and the essential idea of who is God, you see. Now, one of the interesting things about this, unfortunately, is that we all walk around with an understanding of God 
that in many ways is appropriate for a 10-year-old kid. You know, it's like the stories you learn in Chumash as a child is very different than the stories you learn in Chumash as an adult, you see. So, as you grow up, you, you, your understanding of the stories become much more sophisticated, you see. And therefore, what is that? I don't know what's going on out there. Mute yourself. Yeah. So therefore, uh, we are walking around with a view of God that is highly immature. Because in the end, nobody really speaks about God. It's amazing that the entity that is the central focus of Judaism is one of the least understood entities. So we retain an image of God that we had as kids. You know, he's some type of an invisible giant, you know, that is big and powerful and rules the world. He controls the world. He created the world, you see? So it's like some big, huge giant, you know, that's got his hand on the whole planet. That's the way we view God, see? But that's very immature, you know? That's a kid's understanding of who God is. The only thing we understand, the kid will understand that God is invisible, okay? But he's some huge person, you know, that controls the entire world. But like I say, this is highly immature. That is why, and, and, and when you go to yeshiva, they never talk about God, really, in terms of an understanding of who is he? Why is he? How is he? What is his relationship with the Jewish people? What has his relationship with the, been with the Jewish people for all the eras or the time periods of Jewish history, you see? How do we understand his motives, God's motives, you see? Why does God do what he does? And so on. You know, what does he want from mankind? What does he want from the Jewish people, really? You see? Why does God punish? And so on. These are all hundreds of questions. But we don't really learn that, you see? Most of the time spent is on the narrative of the Chumash, some of the, hal- the halachas and so on. But we never delve into God himself and the questions that I've raised, you see. And in many ways, that's a tremendous mistake. Now, I can understand we don't do that, right? When we're kids, fine. Because maybe it's, the topic is too lofty or whatever. But... Why is it we get older and older, 40, 50, 60, you know, and we have the same childlike image of God? Therefore, the Ramchal starts with the beginning about who is God, and it's very, very sophisticated. And that is really what we should be talking about, to understand who God is and Therefore, to understand the questions that I've raised, you see, but not just to understand God, to understand Him at a profound level, you see, to understand Him as, you know, scholars, not as laymen, as experts. And you will derive an enormous amount of benefit because one of the ways of truly gaining Yerushimayim fear of God, the fact that he is awesome, is by understanding who God is. And as a result of that, you will develop a tremendous awe of God, especially as you begin to understand who he is. Now, does God want us to know who he is? And the answer is yes. In fact, if you look in the Rambam, Mishnah Torah, where he enumerates the mitzvahs, right? The first mitzvah in the Mishnah Torah is the das is Hashem to know God, your God. 
So there's a mitzvah say. The Ramam holds that it's a mitzvah say to know God, which means God commands us to know God. It's a mitzvah. So thinking about God or hearing a sheer about God, you are fulfilling not only a mitzvah of Torah, right? But you are fulfilling a mitzvah specifically related to knowing who God is. You see? Now, where do we see this? Because it says in the Torah, in Devarim, the beginning, and you will know this day, that God, the Lord, He is the Lord, right? In the heavens above, and on the earth below, there's nobody else. You see? But the Pusik starts, and you will know this day, that in the heavens above and the earth below, there's nobody else. You see? So clearly then, God wants us to know about Him, because He's saying, and you will know this day. That is the source of the Rambam saying that you have to know who God is. You see? So that clearly means that to know who God is is not an exercise, you know, in, uh, in some intellectual endeavor. No. It is a mitzvah say that God wants you to know who he is as best as possible, obviously. That is a very important idea. Now, after it says, and you'll know this day, and you will satisfy your heart. Well, what does it mean, satisfy the heart? It means that when you are going to try to learn who God is, it's not easy. You're going to have a lot of problems. And therefore, your heart will be agitated because you're not really grasping who He is. So God says, you will know God this day, and your heart will be satisfied what does that mean? That means you have to work at it. Even though it's difficult, you have to work at understanding who God is. So the commandment to know God is not merely to know Him, that He is, or that He exists. But you have to know who He is, what He is. Even though it's going to be difficult. So you have to know to the extent where you have a clear understanding of who God is. You see? That's a very important idea. That it's a mitzvah say, a positive commandment to know who God is, and that God wants you to know Him as much as possible to quiet your heart so you will walk away with a sense of satisfaction. So these are very important ideas. These are the feel of the obligation to learn about God as a subject matter itself and to try to plumb the depths of his character. You see? And from that, you will gain tremendous awesome fear of God and a tremendous love of God when you begin to realize what he has done for you for your family, for the entire Jewish people. Because that's what love is. You love somebody that you realize means only for your benefit. That he's completely given over to benefit you, to enhance your life. And when you begin to learn who God is, you will see the tremendous giving over benefit, love, that God has for you, you see? And in that sense, you will reciprocate. And that's how you begin to love God. By knowing how much He loves you, you will then be able to reciprocate and begin to love Him. So really, it's also part of the mitzvah of your haftas Hashem lo which is in Kriyashma. And you will love the Lord your God. Well, how do you do that? You see? How do you learn to love God? You see, 
by studying him, by studying who he is, by studying what his relationship is to you, and that that relationship is an unbelievable beneficial relationship. Of which, by the way, he gains nothing. There is nothing that you can do for him. Absolutely nothing. The reason why he does everything for you is because that's what he wants. Now, we don't know why he wants that, but what God says in the Chumash is, and God, your God, loves you. Uh, So therefore, the ultimate idea is that the reason why God does this is because he loves you. Now, we don't know why, but he does. He says that in the Torah. Because God, your God, does love you. The Torah doesn't lie. Therefore, it has to mean that the relationship that he has with you must be based on love. Well, that's an incredible piece of news. Because that will guarantee you an everlasting life in the future world. Because he loves you. And if he loves you, that means that everything he will do is only for your benefit, even if it doesn't look that way. But it's only in the end to benefit you. You see? And as a result of that, you know, you will begin to realize his relationship with you. And guess what? You will fall in love with God. That is the way to begin to love God, is by realizing what he feels about you. You see? This is why it's so important to learn about God. See, so it's not just theoretical information. No. It has tremendous, not only is it a mitzvah say, which you should realize that's what you're getting, you are fulfilling a commandment, very important, right? And also that this is the way to begin to relate to God. And you love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your possessions. That's how you do it. By realizing, like I said, what he is to you. But the only way you can do that is you must learn about God. So I'm not going to give you a philosophical lecture. You know, this has nothing to do with philosophy. Although in a certain sense, it certainly is part of philosophy. But in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, loving God, and Yiras Hashem, fearing God, you must know about Him. If you don't, you will never love God. I can tell you now. Because you cannot love a being that you have no idea. You can love a, you can fear a being if they tell you that if you don't listen to His commandments, He's going to punish you. But that's not what you want. You want to be, you don't want to be afraid of God that He's going to come after you, right? And punish you. No. You want to know God how he loves you, and how you will stand in awe. That's true, Yerush Hashem. <clears throat> like I say, the way to do it is to learn about who God is. So therefore, uh, these ideas that I want to tell you is critical for your growth in Torah. It'll change you. It'll change the way you think about God. You will now grow up Instead of having a child idea of who God is, you will have an incredible, matured, adult understanding of who the Bansham is and how he relates to you. And like I said, and that relationship will cause you to love God. It's priceless. And the problem is, is that you can go through your whole life and never hear a sheer of what I'm going to give you about who the Rebunshim really is and how he relates to you, which is tragic <clears throat> that a Jew can go his whole life and never once understand who the Rebunshim really is. You see? So these shurim that I want to give 
about this subject matter <coughs> is critical for your development, right? And your hashkafa and your avoider in being a tremendous Jew. And once you have developed the concepts of loving God, right, and fearing His awesomeness, you will grow to tremendous heights, and especially you will have bitochen, you will have trust in God. Because if God loves you, guess what? You never have to worry about what He's going to do to you. Because it is the nature of somebody who loves somebody else to always benefit them. Even if it doesn't look like it's an immediate benefit. But the ultimate idea in whatever God does to you has to be because He loves you. Which means that He's doing it for your ultimate benefit. And He knows exactly what your ultimate benefit will be. And He knows exactly how to get you there. So, with this type of a shear, fortunately, which you're going to hear, you will come to love God. You will come to fear God, not in a, in a bad way, but in a, a fear of awe. And you will come to trust God. That's what the knowledge of God will give you. So, in many ways, if you think about it, this type of shear, which you probably never heard before, is one of the greatest shum you really can hear. Because unfortunately, you can go through your whole life and never once hear about this subject matter. Who is God? You see? And I will leave you with one pasuk. <clears throat> okay? Where it says, okay, in the Novi, it says, Ayis Halel Gibo Bigvurosoi. If somebody wants to feel good about himself, let him not praise himself Right? Because he's strong. Let not a man praise himself because of his strength. Right? And a man who is a scholar, let him not praise himself because he's a wise man. And he shouldn't praise himself for his wealth. But in this, Yishalel Hamishalel. If a person wants to praise himself or feel that he's really accomplished tremendous, in this he can take pride. What is that? He understands and knows who I am. Well, what is that? That is to know God. And the Bansham is saying, you know, if you want to take pride in accomplishment, right? Forget about your strength. Forget about how much money you have. Forget about how wise you are. That's nothing. But if you want to really take pride in an accomplishment, then the greatest accomplishment you can have is that you know, you've studied, and you are tremendously intimate with who I am, God is speaking, who I, God, really is. Now that is an incredible accomplishment. Like I told you, because from the knowledge of God, you will come to love Him, you will come to fear Him in a good way, and you will come to trust Him. And you know that. These are the fundamental character traits that you must have to get Oilam Haba and to grow in Avodah, to grow in what a Jew has to grow, become a tremendously complete Jew. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Okay? Any questions? So, what I've tried to explain is why you must hear this year. Because not only is it a mitzvah say. But it is critical for you to grow as a tremendous Torah-observant and believing Jew. You see? That wants to love God, fear God, and trust God. That's what I'm explaining. Any questions so far? How come no rabbi or someone else made 
this topic as pertinent as you are right now? Why is it like all Why, what? these years? How come all these years we've been learning or not like with other rabbis, how come if it's such a big mitzvah, we weren't, it wasn't instilled in all this information in us from way before? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, there are different ways of answering that. But one of the ways is in a certain way, people are afraid to delve into this type of understanding because they're afraid that you may distort what they are going to say. You may not understand, and that's not good. A second idea is because most people don't know the information that I'm going to tell you. You see, they just don't know it. And you will see that because the information that I will tell you is stunning. That's right. You're going to hear stuff you never heard before. You see. So most people don't know this stuff. So if they don't know it, they can't teach it. You see? So that's a second idea. And a, a third idea, you know, why, is that, um, you know, people just get waylaid. They just don't realize the importance of this, you know, uh, and how critical it is. One of the reasons why the, the secular information, all the different religions and all that, all the different, you know, people preaching different ways of life, uh, one of the reasons why it's so powerful is because people don't even know their own religion. Think about that. How much do we people really know about Judaism? The blueprints. What is Judaism? Why are there so many other religions? Why are there Goyim? Why was the Torah given 2,400 years, you know, after the world was created? You know, why do we need a messianic era? Why can't we just go to Elam Habo? You see, why are the Jews in Gullahs for 2,000 years? Why is there punishment? Why is there evil? You see, there's so many questions. You see, and, and most people never learn about that. Problem is most people are not aware. For whatever reason, and I hold it's a tremendous mistake, Hashkofa is left out of the curriculum, you see. And therefore, people don't really know how to deal with it, you see. So not only that, but most people, like I say, don't realize its importance, you see. It's unfortunate. In many ways, it's tragic. But I, you know, I, I'm telling you something that this is a critical need, especially today, when there are so many foreign ideologies, so many different people talking about what they think is important and what the correct way of life is. It's, uh, you, you know, you, you look at different things going on, you know, in terms of television and the Internet, movies, books, plays. Every, everybody has got his idea of what he thinks the world is about. And what, what's important. You see? <clears throat> but they're all wrong. And the problem is they don't know. And even Jews, most Jews know very little about their religion. I'm not talking about halacha. You know, somebody can be tremendously versed in halacha. You not really know much about the blueprint of creation. You see? But who God is and what does he really want? And so on. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's not taught as a curriculum subject in yeshiva. And that is a big mistake. Now, maybe if you lived in a ghetto, you could afford this mistake. Because you're not exposed to foreign ideologies. You're not exposed to goyim. But, you know, the ghetto left a long time ago. You know, the incredible thing is that the Sutton, the Eitzahara, has now been able to invade every Jewish home, either through the Internet. It used to be the television. But even if a person got rid of his TV, right, it's now coming in through the Internet, where you see everybody's shtus, nonsense, right? You see everybody's foreign ideology, their way of life. It's incredible what is now available because of the Internet, see, and so on. 
I'm not even talking about the culture of America and how anti-Torah it really is in terms of its values. You see, people don't realize, you know, the danger of not learning about the blueprints of creation. That's why Derech Hashem is such an incredible sefer, because it will give you that understanding. You see? So that's the answer to your question. Most people don't know the subject matter, or they're afraid, you know, because they don't know how to handle it, or they don't realize how important it is. You see what I'm saying? So that's the answer to your question. What was that? I understand. Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, you can aff- maybe you could afford not to learn about this if you lived in a ghetto. So you don't have much exposure to the outside world. But that's gone. The outside world lives in your house. It lives there. Whether it be a TV, whether it be the internet, whether it be books, whether it be your kids coming home because they just hung out with their friends, right? And their friends have TVs and movies and, and internet and all that. Yeah. You don't realize how your, your house is an open sieve, open door to all the foreign ideologies which are anti-Torah. So you have to have some basis of defense. You have to be able to defend yourself against this attack of foreign ideologies and anti-Torah values. Well, what's your, what is your defense? Most Jews have no defense. Why do you think so many Jews either leave or why so many Jews gone? Because they've never learned this. There's no defense, you see. But the real defense is, like I said, you have to study Hashkafa. That's the defense. You not you must understand your religion in a profound way, and then you can defend against all the foreign ideologies. But if you don't have that, you it's open it's open uh, hunting season against you and your family. Yeah, you don't realize how much we are influenced by the outside world. <laughs> You see, and even if you remain religious, you don't realize how weakened you are. Your passion is decimated for Judaism. Your drive, it's weakened. And we, we don't realize this, how weakened we become, you see, which is an amazing thing when you think about that. It's tragic, you see. But that's why you have to have a shield, some type of defense when you know the enemy is all over the place. So this is the beginning of a defensive system. You see? So it strengthens your immuna. That's the whole point of this. You see? Ignorance is the greatest enemy or is the greatest ally to loss of faith. Immuna be talking. Ignorance is the greatest, uh, you know, factor why people lose their immuna or why they develop a tremendous uh, diminution, which means weakness in belief. And we don't even realize how weak we become, really. And therefore, we will succumb to many nesiones much quicker because we, we do not have that defensive system you see. Well, just think about the shurim that I've given. It's almost a year. Look at the difference in information, right, that you have. Different shurim, right? Different ideas. Look at the impression or look what it's done to you. And the answer is because information will change you. That's what it does. Because now you can have a defense. You can combat the foreign ideologies because you now know something about your religion. You see what I'm saying? You yourself are now living proof of what you've become. 
Any questions? No, I was reading something that was interesting. It said, the root of the word entertainment is enter. Be careful what you allow to enter your home, which is exactly, we don't even realize that we're, all the entertainment is literally, they know what they're doing and how they're trying to manipulate us and, you know, program us to steer away from anything that's right or religion, God. You're right. <clears throat> You're right. You know, you know, many times we look at what's presented to us as if it's, well, it's cute, it's funny, right? It's entertaining. But we don't realize that, you know, part of us wants this, you know, which is always, always the rebellion in man, you know. So we don't realize how much we're influenced by foreign ideologies or by shows on TV or movies or, uh, you know, or uh, reading novels, which are anti-Torah values and so on, or even listen to the news. You know, we don't realize to what extent we are influenced, you see. So at least you have a defense. You have to have something to hold on to that will protect you from all the terrible influences of society especially in a world that has the Internet, because almost everybody is exposed to the Internet. And the Internet, guess what, is the window of the sultan into everybody's house. That's the doorway. The sultan has found a way how to get into everybody's house, even though you lock the door. He could still walk in. Now, it used to be he did it through the television. Now he does it through the internet. You see? It's just amazing what he figures out. <clears throat> you see? And uh, I'm not even talking about those people who go on the internet and are actually destroyed. There's so many ways to be destroyed. Forget about losing your amuna. You know, with all the chat rooms and the social places. You know, there's... I'm not even talking about all the Lush and horror that is spoken and and all the bittle terror, the bittles man, wasting time, you know. And then, you, you know, you look at all the stores, and you want more goods, more luxuries. We don't even realize what this does to us, you know, which is really, when you think about it, incredible. You know, yeah. The Internet is the greatest invention method that the Sutton has ever used to enter everybody's home, even though your doors are locked. It's astounding. That's why studying Hashkafa, which is all about this, is critical for your defense and to protect you. You see? Everybody get, understand what I'm saying? Good. Yeah. <clears throat> and I wish I was exaggerating. If anything, I'm minimizing. I'm understating the danger of the world we live in. The world is basically anti-Torah. You know? And it is so easy to be influenced. You know, by what is out there. It is so easy because remember, the world wants to teach you its values, what it considers to be important. It's not just theories and ideas. It's also values. And society, America, Europe or Israel or whatever, they all have values. A value is that which we consider to be important and therefore that which we want to aspire to. You see? They're all trying to convince you. It's a huge salesmanship going on out there. You see? And most of it is anti-Torah. That is one of the reasons why you'll find in the Chumash that God is always stressing, don't hang out with the Goyim. He's always saying that. And that's why there are many things. That's why you can't marry them. Because you know, God knows the nature of man. 
that he's always looking in a certain way to run away. You see? So if you expose yourself by relating, associating with Goyim, or even with Jews that aren't religious, you are in mortal danger. Not of necessarily dropping Judaism, which anyway many people do, but of severely diminishing the passion that you have to pursue growth in spirituality. Yes, it is very easy to put out the candle in a person's heart. You want to grow in spirituality? Forget it. Once you're exposed to the world, then the whole drive, the passion, is leveled off. It's cut off. Yeah, you know, it's where it works. Like if you walk into a fish store, guess what? You're going to smell like fish after a while. You walk into a flower store, you're going to get all perfumed up. Because that's what it is. The Rambam says that. We are nimshach. We are, you know, attracted, right? Or we are pulled after our environment. You see? And the environment that we live in is a tremendous amount of kfira. Kfira means, you know, uh, uh, anti-God uh, ideas, you see. And the interesting is that these ideas, they try to bring across in a, in a cute way or what's called an innocent way. But really, it's bad news. You see, because it will destroy our passion for spiritual growth. So the only way, like I'm saying, to protect yourself is you've got to have a rock-solid foundation of emuna and bitochen. And the only way to get that is by understanding the tremendous depth of Judaism, which is what I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to give you the depth of all the Jewish holidays, of current events, you see, of uh, the Messianic era, that these are profound concepts and ideas, very important. So you'll appreciate Judaism, what it really is, you see? And you will maintain your emuna, your faith, your bitochen, your trust, right? And the values of Torah, and that you will want to aspire to spiritual growth. Not easy to do. So, like I say, very important idea is to understand the topics of Ashkafa. You see? Great. Anything else? Uh, well, everyone on the phone? What? I don't know where what? everyone went. I'm is here. Is everybody out there? I'm here. What? I'm here. Is Amy there? I just I'm here. Sleep. Oh my god. Oh. Okay. Well, that was a great class, Rabbi. That was a what? A great class. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to get more into in, in, in involved in this topic. Oh yeah, the topic is going to stun you. I'm telling you now, you're going to hear ideas that you've never heard before, and you're going to hear them at a level of depth that you will not even believe. And the problem is, like I say, most people do not know it that way. So how could they teach it? And like I say, the practical idea is that will tremendously increase your belief in God, your love of God, your fear of God, your trust of God. Hey, that's priceless. How many things can do that for you? Not many. So how is it going to do it? I'm going to hear an example. <laughs> okay, don't die. Just be patient. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. I want to tell you something. Well, yeah, I'll just share that with you. The secret of my method is this. What I do is I don't inspire. Many people inspire. You know, they'll tell you a story. 
you know, and the story's very good. It's inspirational. It's a story about Gedolim or whatever. Yeah, okay. That's great. It inspires you, right? But I don't work that way. I believe the greatest inspiration is to change your beliefs. Not merely to tell you something of that, what you know already, just to give you an example of how it was practiced. That's inspiration. But I don't want inspiration. <clears throat> I want to alter your behavior. Not by being inspired, but by believing differently. If you want to change somebody's behavior, then don't inspire him. You need to deal with what he believes. You need to change his belief system. And guess what? The person will always act in accordance with his belief system. So, a person can be inspired, and after one week, the inspiration is gone. You see? Because you have not told him anything new. He already knew what you are going to say, except you illustrated it with another story. You see? That's why stories leave you after a couple of days. But if you can tell somebody ideas and convince them of the ideas that they are true by logically connecting it, you see, and you change his belief, you've changed the behavior of the person. That's why learning Hashkofa is much more powerful than listening to stories. You see, what I'm telling you is the secret of the method that I do. I remember I once, once giving a shea in Manhattan, a long time ago, you know, and there was a guy who was coming, you know, so he was coming for a whole bunch of weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, he disappeared. You know, after like 10 weeks, he disappeared. So I happened to meet him and I asked him, hey, whatever happened to you, you know? You used to come, yeah, I came for a couple of months, and now you're gone. Do you know what he told me? And what he told me was revealed a profound truth. He said, I'll tell you, Rabbi, you were speaking, you were giving a lecture, you know, and so on, right? The problem was, it was too powerful. It was too convincing. So I realized, you know, that if I keep coming, I'm going to have to change. And I don't want to change. So therefore, I don't come. You hear what he said? Yeah. Very That's powerful. I, of course, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I can understand him because I was not inspiring him. I was changing his beliefs, his whole way of looking at things. I was changing, and he had a problem, you know, because of a, person, a person always lives in accordance with what he believes. And he realized that, hey, he's believing me. It's, it's happening, Right? And guess what? He's changing. But he realized he doesn't want to change. So my shit became a dangerous situation for him. You see? Look, it has that effect. Because learning Hashkofa is very powerful. It's not just hearing stories or hearing a good Musa, Vad or Shmuz. You see? It's an understanding of Judaism at a different level. You see? Okay, any other questions? God willing, okay. everybody should uh, be inspired. Yes. And right. want to change. And what? And want to change. Yeah. You hope so, yeah. You hope so, okay. you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so Look, right now, right here. now, we all have free will to change. You know, but when Mashiach comes, it's over with. There's no change anymore because there's no free will, you see? So when you think about it, the time to change is now, you know? So we're so all going to be like Malachim? No, you'll be great Jews. Really great In the Jews. sense of no free will, because Malachim don't have free will, correct? No, they don't have it because they see, they experience God directly. We don't. So In we have free will. Time, will we have that ability? Yes. We will. In, in the Mashiach bin David, 
there will be no free will. Right. Because the presence of God will be so prevalent that there's no, there's no free will. Because in order to have free will, you can have free will, but in order to be tested, you have to have concealment. There has to be two directions. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have two directions, when one direction is obvious, so even if you had free will, it's over with. You see? Right. So free will demands concealment or the, or the possibility of two different directions. Because then you could have a choice. If there is no choice, then there's no reward. You see? Got it. Yeah, so that's really where we're at, you know. Anyway, that's what I want to do, which we will begin, you know, uh, and so on, and uh, which is very, it's very important. Because that's how you can come to love God, believe in Him, and trust Him, and so on, you know. Uh, very important. Very important.